She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Season 4. Episode 17. Tempest Fugit. So hey, Tori. Hey, Nick. What's going on? Not a whole lot. How are you? I'm fine. Wow, this feels weird. I would say we haven't talked for a long time, but we actually just recorded another episode. (laughs) So a little contrived, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we haven't recorded an X-Files episode in a while. No, we haven't. Or released one. (laughs) Whoops. Oops. You know. Yeah, so we thought we would just catch up a little bit, catch up with each other, catch up with the audience, let them know what's going on. Some of you probably have noticed that things have been showing up in the feed that aren't X-Files, things like Scooby-Doo and Colchek the Night Stalker and some movies that originally were Patreon only. Mm-hmm. So at risk of upsetting Patreon supporters, uh, we're actually going to be getting rid of the Patreon, sort of. We're going to keep the Patreon as a donation thing where you can subscribe we do have a tier that's two dollars you can just subscribe you don't get any bonus stuff but we're getting rid of the bonus feed altogether and we're just going to put everything in the regular feed because as much as we like money we also just want people to hear what we're doing because we're enjoying it and we want to share it with everybody mm-hmm. so yeah yeah we don't want to keep like some of our insertive episodes are our personal favorites like we think they're some of our best work sometimes and some of the movies and just we have a lot of fun with that stuff and it we're just like, why are we shoving it behind a paywall? It just, yeah. Eh, huh. Yeah. So as of Groundhog Day, everything will be on the regular feed. Right now, the only things not in the feed are the In Search Ofs, which season one previously was. And then on Christmas Eve, I put them behind the paywall again. And then on Groundhog Day, I'm going to remove them. So basically, I'm doing the Christmas because, like, you know, if you go back to the, the standard traditions, like Christmas the 12 days of Christmas started on Christmas Day, and then you celebrate all the way to Condomas, which is February 2nd, Groundhog Day. So I'm just, I just celebrated Christmas by locking everything away behind a paywall, and then <laughs> I'm going to release it. So, yeah. So as of February 2nd, everything will just go on the feed. Um, yeah. And then also, we're slowing down our production schedule a little bit. Um, something will be in the feed every week, but it might not always be X-Files. So just mm-hmm. be aware. Yeah, life just keeps happening. We have things going on and we're doing as much as we can, but obviously we don't want to put our entire lives on hold just to record this podcast. It's very fun. We love doing it, but you know, sometimes we have to do other things instead. Yeah. So subscribe to the podcast. You'll get everything. Um, you'll know when X File shows up. And uh yeah. So anyway. Tori's been traveling. Yeah, I went to Seattle for a work conference, which is really fun. Uh, it was my first time on a plane since like 2018, because I don't know if you guys knew uh, there's been a pandemic that is still ongoing and still a thing, but people are acting like it's not a thing. So now you are <laughs> expected to go do things again and be in the world. So I did that and it was a good time, but obviously I did not record a podcast while I was running around seattle yeah and we've been we've been unintentionally putting off the this episode tori's been wanting to talk about it for a while so yeah i actually i mean this is a little bit of a spoiler but i have really been loving season four like i'm kind of a little bit ahead of where we are and i don't know i just think the rest of season four has been kind of gold and i'm not completely done with it but I've just been loving these episodes. I'm like, man, I want to talk about these. And then the week I watched this episode was the week I had to get my plane tickets for that conference. So I was like watching this episode about plane crashes. And then I was like, oh, good. I get to get on a plane now. That'll be fun and exciting. And I just got back having traveled on a plane for the first time in years. It was the same as I remember. Nothing has changed. Still sucks, right? Except now they have the little little cans of soda the little like seven ounce cans that they just give you instead of the full cans because i remember they used to just give you like the full can on the little flights from reno to seattle and now it's like the little seven ounce one so i got a little seven ounce can of ginger ale that i tried to drink with my mask on it was a fun fun experiment oh so it's like that that power <laughs> rangers meme where the dude's trying to drink through his helmet and it just goes yeah i was like you know just <laughs> 
like I'm a little nausea. I don't know if you guys have ever flown out of Reno, but here's the thing about Reno. There is always turbulence. It is a very turbulent airport because it's between mountains. And so literally every time I've ever flown in or out of Reno, it's always incredibly turbulent. It's also very fast to get to Seattle because there's like this tailwind that always happens. So you always arrive super early. But then when you come back, it always takes like 10 minutes longer than you expect it to. <laughs> so I, I think spent they would a lot have built that in into life. the schedule by now. You would think so, because like I've been flying from Reno to Seattle basically for 20 years because I've lived there and I would come back to visit my family. So I'd fly into Reno and it's always been a thing. Whenever you fly to Seattle, you get in like a half hour early and half the time they make you wait on the runway, which sucks. But this time we got lucky. The plane that was before us left the gate. So we only had to wait like three minutes and then we got to go to the gate and I got in super early, which was really cool. So, yeah, it was a good time. As far as air travel goes, it was a good experience. It was not my favorite, but it never is. I mean, as long as the landings are expected, you're usually okay. Uh, you know what? I yeah, think. if I get there safely, not going to complain. Yeah, and then I just found out that I get to travel, and I hate traveling, but I get to go <laughs> to uh, New Orleans in May oh for my work, gosh. so that's cool. So and then jealous. I got to watch that's this awesome. episode, and I was like, oh, fuck, I got to get on a plane, which I hate anyway. Um not that I'm fair to flying. I'm um, just, I don't fit in airplanes. So fun. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. They're not built for humans. They're very tiny. Yeah. Not built for me either, but um, ooh, <laughs> damn, I let it slip. anyway. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, we've been busy. We're going to stay busy and we're changing up things a little bit. And uh, yeah, we're learning as we go. Yeah. But, uh, we appreciate your patience. We appreciate you sticking with us and we hope you'll enjoy us talking about these episodes and all the episodes that come into our feed about everything yeah because we enjoy listen doing to those. some scooby-doo episodes and then watch the classic scooby-doo and don't watch the shitty velma show on hbo okay don't do that just listen to our <laughs> scooby-doo episodes i remember you being excited when that was announced and, yeah uh, and then it's it's terrible it's <laughs> actively bad like the writing is awful They've changed all the characters, so none of them have, like, any of the same personality traits. Fred is some rich douche asshole who's, like, just, like, a snob. And I'm like, mm. what? What? That's not yeah. Fred. Scooby-Doo isn't even in it. What? Not even in it. Although there is a black woman that they've named Scooby. So that's oh. fun and not racist at all. It sounds like it's great. I haven't actually watched it. I've just read a lot about it from people who have and who are very angry. Yeah, it I've seen the ads on good. Facebook, which I don't hardly, I hardly ever use Facebook, but I occasionally go on there because, you know, there are people on there that I try mm -hmm. and keep in touch with periodically. So I will occasionally open it, look at things really quick and then close it. So I removed it from my phone. So now it's only on my computer just to make sure that I'm fall into the scroll of doom so, mm -hmm. but yeah but no i've seen the ads i didn't realize it was coming out honestly when they announced it i thought it was gonna be a live action thing i didn't realize it was gonna be a cartoon yeah um, and i'd be fine with it being a cartoon i'd be fine with them making some you know character changes but like not where you change every single character and every single thing that made the original charming like the gang all hates each other they're not friends and oh. like velma accuses fred of murder and stuff because he's some rich misogynist oh guy and it she's seems like, and this is supposed to be like Velma's origin so it seems like that would be very strange for then the other stuff to then happen afterwards if all yeah that's it on. sounds really honestly you guys I am so tired of people who hate the source material making adaptations and thinking they're being so clever by like changing things and like being snarky in the writing and you know having that pass for good writing i don't know i'm just really tired of it if you don't like something stop adapting it give it to somebody else who cares about the source material because yeah and pick the order you want to do it in but watch and then listen to our episodes or listen to our episodes and then watch scuba natural because it's fucking amazing. Talk so. about a subversive take on Scooby-Doo that still manages to keep everyone in character and feels like it's part of the series. Like, it's so good. It's so good. Kudos to Supernatural for doing that. It's one of I've my favorite I've seen some people mention that as one of the better weird Scooby-Doo adaptations. And I'm like, yes, it is incredible. So No, it is. It is super incredible. Yeah. Highly cry. recommend it. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. We probably right. should talk about X-Files. Yeah, so. I know. Sorry, guys. <laughs> anyway, yeah. or sorry, ladies and gentlemen, and ever sorry, everyone. <laughs> there we go. Yeah.
whatever. Anyway, and as soon as all the subscription stuff comes off of Anchor, then I'm going to open Anchor back up to where you can actually just like do like a little tip jar thing. I can't do the subscriptions and the tip jar at the same time. But once all those episodes come off, then I'll open the tip jar on Anchor too. So if you want to give us a one-time donation, you can do that through Anchor. Yeah. Or you can, you know, on Patreon for $2 a month. So yeah. yeah. So if you want to support us financially, you definitely can. If you just want to listen, that's also huge support. And if you like what you listen to and you tell your friends, that's massive. So keep doing that. Yeah, because actually our listenership has gone up, even though our schedule has been insane. <laughs> so it's okay, cool, yay. So yeah, so yay. someone's telling someone about it, and thank you. So yes, we appreciate it. All right, well, that was all over the place. Let's start X Files episode seventeen. This episode is a Mythark episode, and originally aired on Sunday, March sixteenth, nineteen ninety seven, at nine p.m. Since the last episode, Unrequited, on March 2nd, they aired Season 2, Episode 14, Die Hand, Die Verlitz, as a repeat. And then on March 9th, they aired Season 1, Episode 10, Fallen Angel, as a repeat. Can't imagine why. I mean, kudos to them for doing that. That was... Yes. hmm, We're getting spoiler territory here. But yeah, the fact that they went for Fallen Angel, good job. smart, yeah. In this episode, two fan-favorite characters return, plus UFOs, radiation, and murder. Ooh, murder. This episode was filmed in British Columbia, Canada, and it was written by Chris Carter and Frank Spotnitz and directed by Rob Bowman. Somewhere over upstate New York, we see a plane flying through the sky over a full moon, and inside, a flight attendant brings a man, Lerald Ribboon, a scotch and soda. He jokes it's the only way to fly and then looks at her butt as she walks away. And he's already had a few. Mm-hmm. And then he tells his seatmate that he used to be just like him. Absolutely terrified of flying. And then we see his seatmate and it's Max Fennig <gasps> from Fallen Angel. Yay. The last we saw was being abducted. And then we were told he was found dead. So Max is in a plane. He's not dead. His hair has been cut short, and he's huddled against the seat, looking over the back of it warily as the man next to him rattles off safety statistics about planes and how you're not going to die and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. why you shouldn't be afraid. Max is clutching something as well, and then we see Max look at a man, and the man looks at him and then ducks back down like maybe he shouldn't have been looking at him. (laughs) (laughs) So the man then gets up and walks down the aisle, and Max watches him as he goes into the bathroom. In the bathroom, we see the man pulls a pen out of his pocket and then pulls it apart and removes the spring. And then he begins removing other items from his pocket, part of a makeshift non-metal gun which he assembles. So it looks like it's like 3D printed, like made out of resin or something like that. So, mm-hmm. yep, go through metal detectors. Because even in the 90s, there were metal detectors at yeah. airports. There wasn't the kind of security you have now, but generally you would walk through a metal detector before you went to the gates. Yeah. If the only metal in this gun is the spring, I don't think it would fire because you need some, anyway, you need some sort of metal to, Mm -hmm. anyway. The plane starts shaking and in the cockpit, the pilot is unsure of what's happening. The man comes out of the bathroom and the lights in the plane go off and all the shaking increases. And then light starts beaming into the plane from outside, super bright light in a very terrifying and supernatural way. And people act as you would when you see terrifying supernatural light coming through the airplane. Max Mm -hmm. stares at it and it looks almost like reality is bending, like the light is like turning and the walls are moving. And then it's the theme song. I don't even remember the X-Files theme. <laughs> I've been doing the search-up theme for so long that I don't remember. It's something like, you, I can't whistle very well. And I'm not going to try here. So, yeah. But there's a whistle, and then it's, you know, it's iconic, apparently. So, you know. It is. Some of you might love it. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm tepid on it, personally. But, yeah. And then we come back from the theme song, and Mulder and Scully are in a restaurant. And the waitstaff brings over a dessert with a sparkler candle and they're singing happy birthday. And Mulder joins in and we learn that it's Scully's birthday. And when the song finishes, everyone in the bar restaurant claps, except a woman sitting at the bar. Scully tells Mulder he's never remembered her birthday in the four years she's known him. He says that's how he likes to celebrate them every four years. It's like dog years that way. Dog years was seven. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. 
Four years is more like the leap year thing. I don't know what they're mm-hmm. going for here. Basically, yeah. Mulder has been thoughtless and is apparently trying to make up for it now. I don't know. It also looks like, I imagine it's probably like some sort of like nicer dessert. It looks like a snowball. Yeah. <laughs> like with a candle stuck in it. It's what it it looks does. Like. I'm sure it's yeah. like, you know, fancy. Mm, oh, man. Now I want a snowball. I haven't had one of those in years. Yeah. When I worked at the Bellagio, we had desserts that were made in the little half dome desserts like that that were... <laughs> You know, very fancy and Frenchy. So it's probably something mm-hmm. like that, maybe. I don't know, but it looks like yeah. a snowball. It it's also kind of lopsided, so they didn't do a good job of unmolding it. But anyway. <laughs> so Mulder has a present for Scully. It's a small jewelry box. And she jokes that it's an alien implant. And he says it's two. He made them into earrings. Uh, it's actually it's actually a key ring commemorating the moon landing, which is oh. kind of random, but sure, okay. The woman from the bar from earlier comes over and she asks if they're Mulder and Scully. She says her name is Sharon Graffia. She was told to find them if something happened. Her brother, whom she believes they know, told her that they would understand what to do. And Mulder's like, about what? And she says, if he didn't make it. Scully asks who she's talking about and she says, Max Fennig. Mulder and Scully exchange a look. Sharon says Max was on his way here to deliver something that made him fear for his life. Something he said the government would kill for. But his plane went down two hours ago. (gasps) Yeah, not good. So Sharon Graffia is played by Chilton Crane. She's been in two previous X-Files episodes. Season 1, episode 18, Miracle Man. She played Margaret Holman. And she was in season two, episode 22, F Emasculata. She was the mother at the bus station. Oh, the kid who then gets on the bus and has to sit next to the creepy guy. Yeah, I think so. She played Susan Farrell on the 4400, and she's appeared in episodes of Stargate SG-1, Psych, iZombie, and Once Upon a Time. Mm. So if it's Scully's birthday, what day is it? Oh my god, I sh- I feel like I'm back in an X-Files trivia contest and I'm failing. I th- wasn't her birthday in February? February 23rd and this would be her 33rd birthday cuz she was born in 1964. Nice. Nice. According to the canon. Yes. I knew it was February. Yay, at least I got the month right. Yeah, good job. Thanks. It's been a while since I've thought about X-Files trivia. So then we are in Northville, New York, and it is 4.02 a.m. So either they were celebrating Scully's birthday super early, or this is no longer Scully's birthday. I'm yes. probably going to guess the latter, but then something happens later in the episode that makes me think, I don't know. Anyway, well, I'm a little confused. it's kind of that thing where, like, I don't know. For me, it's like, it's my birthday on a certain day, but, like, that whole weekend it's like my birthday. Oh, as far as I'm concerned. One of those people. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. All right. If hopefully I'll remember to mention the thing that when it comes up of why it seems weird. But anyway, so there is a briefing about the crash of Flight 549 being led by Mark Miller, not the comic book writer, but the character Mark Miller. Although it's spelled the same way, which is kind of confusing. Anyway, he says the flight lost radio contact and crashed into a wooded area approximately 30 miles from Albany, New York. Initial reports say so far there are no survivors of the 134 passengers and crew that are listed on the manifest. They have a tape of the last radio contact with the plane, but he stresses that all information shared here is to be kept confidential before they play it. So it must have something juicy on it, if they're saying that. Mm-hmm. So, on the tape, the pilot is advised to keep the landing coordinates as all looks good. Then the pilot explains, what the hell is this? And the towers ask if he can read them and the pilot says we've got something some intercept my god my god mayday may and then the tape cuts out <sighs> miller starts to excuse the group to catch charter flights to the scene but then Mulder interrupts introducing himself and asking if there's any indication the flight was forced down he points out the word intercept was on the recording miller says they have no data to support that no other craft in the area unless Mulder has something to support that theory Mulder says no, but one of the passengers on the plane is well known to the government to be an alien abductee. (laughs) Which goes over great, yeah. (laughs) Everyone's like, oh God, here we go. (laughs) Mulder goes on about how Max is a repeated abductee and people snicker. Yep. 
The camera periodically focuses on one man, and we'll come to know him as Garrett. And he keeps watching the back and forth between Mulder and Miller. Mulder says Mac predicted the accident, and from the sound of the tape, the plane may have been forced down. Miller asks why, by who, or what? And Mulder says he's hesitant to speculate. <laughs> One of the attendees says there's no Max Fennig on the passenger manifest. And Mulder suggests there are people who may want to cover up the evidence. Miller tells him what he's suggesting is trivializing a tragedy. Mulder says they all have the same goal, finding the cause of the crash. Miller says if they find Dr. Spock's phaser or some alien green goo, they'll give him the credit. And people laugh. And Miller then gives the word, and the group disperses. Scully tells Mulder she sure knows how to make a girl feel special on her birthday. Yeah, so I think that birthday thing is just carryover. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, it's 4 a.m., but technically they haven't slept yet, so it's kind of the same night. But, I mean, they could have been out drinking, and then once midnight hit, boom, it's her birthday. That's true. It could be either way. Yeah. This is actually not the part that I'm talking about where it seems weird. That'll come up later. Oh, okay. So, gotcha. gotcha. I actually forgot about her saying that it's her birthday right here. So, yeah. So, yeah. ooh, another point in my favor. Well, that also makes sense to me that you would kind of, if you had left your birthday dinner and now it's 4 a.m. and you're at this briefing, it would feel like the same night. I'm going to give it to her. But she's all about facts and stuff. She'd be like, it's not really my birthday anymore, Mulder. <laughs> I don't think she's that anal. <laughs> I mean, some people try to write her that way, but I don't think she's supposed to be. So this is totally the point that Miller doesn't know sci-fi stuff. But as a Star Trek fan, I just have to clarify, Dr. Spock is Benjamin Spock. He's a famous pediatrician who wrote books about child care. Spock from Star Trek is not a doctor. Uh, so I think the joke is that he doesn't know that, or at least that's probably part of it. But I just wanted to clear that up. Mm -hmm. And Mark Miller is played by Joe Spano, who played Lieutenant Harry Goldblum on Hill Street Blues. I don't know that show, but that seems to be his very prominent role. Yeah, he's got a familiar looking face. So, yeah. Yeah. I maybe I've known him from that or maybe from something else. So. Yeah. He also played the NASA director in the movie Apollo 13. And he's done some voice work on Batman Beyond and Static Shock, among other things. Mm. Okay. Miller mentions the IIC, and Scully does later also. I could not figure out what the IIC was, because there's a lot of places that are the IIC, and I tried all different little things, like with, you know, flight and transportation and air, and I could not mm -hmm. find out what the IIC stands for. Everyone in the meeting is wearing NTSB badges, though, which is the National Transportation Safety Board. And, of course, I tried IIC and then NTSB, and I couldn't find anything. So okay. I don't know what the IIC is. So. I don't either. Sounds familiar. Maybe just from this episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way my memory works, it may have come up in a previous episode and I knew what it was and I found out and I've already explained it. So, but I don't know. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't find anything when I was looking this time. So. Yeah. So then we're at the Flight 549 crash site, and it's 5.52 a.m. A helicopter flies over the crash site, and below, people comb through the wreckage, and we see they've lined up some of the bodies in yellow body bags, or body parts, as you will. A crane lifts part of the plane, maybe a wing or the engine out of the mud, and Scully asks Mulder if he's ever seen anything like this. Mulder asks, where's the plane? And Scully says they think the plane hit the ground at 300 miles an hour at an almost vertical descent. They're analyzing meteorological data, but so far they're attributing it to weather phenomenon. Maybe rapid depressurization due to a lightning strike or a wind rotor coming off the Adirondacks. And then Mulder says, but not to Max Fennig. Scully says even if he was on this flight, he'd be in 100 pieces. They'll be lucky if they can ID half the bodies. Mulder is sure he was on the flight. And Scully says, okay, say we find him. What does that prove? Mulder says he doesn't know. Maybe that one man's life was worth sacrificing 133 others. Mm. I have to say, the, um, the wreckage site looks really good. And apparently they actually brought people in from the NTSB 
to help make sure that it looked good. Because when we first see it, we get a big aerial shot of it. Mm -hmm. So you kind of see the whole area and all this stuff. And it looks, I mean, not that I'm like an expert on what plane crash sites are supposed to look like, but it looks, it looks fantastic. Yeah. And apparently they were very particular about making sure that it looked accurate and like debris would be, you know, in the right places and not just be like, you know, a big, like, you know, a kind of bent smoking plane sticking out of the ground or something. <laughs> yeah. So, like it, how it should look. Yeah. In the unfortunate event that that sort of thing happens. Yeah. In the wreckage, Garrett and another man uncover the body of a man who was making the gun in the bathroom. Garrett surreptitiously takes the gun from his body and shoves it into a pocket, while the other man sprays something on the dead man's fingers and face, which is some kind of acid that'll melt off the identifying characteristics. Ooh. Also, I don't know if it was just the framing of the shot, but it looks like the dude is like missing his lower half. He might be intentional or not. Probably because the bodies are most of them are in pieces. So, yeah, probably. So Mulder and Scully are walking around and Scully sees an arm with a watch sticking out of a puddle. And she puts a flag there to notice locations. They all have little flags. There are yellow ones, which which one that Scully used. But there's also some red ones. And I'm not sure what the red ones are for. Yellow ones are obviously like, you know, human rights. Body parts, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what the red one is. If it's maybe... I mean, if you found a live person, I imagine you wouldn't just stick a flag there and walk away. But <laughs> no, I'm not no, sure what the red would... ones are for. Yeah, I don't. They're probably for some other kind of wreckage or maybe some ele- electronics or something. The majority of them are yellow and then they each have like one or two red flags. So I'm not sure what the red one is for. But yeah, anyway. Mulder bends down to see something else and puts the flag down. And he picks up a wristwatch with the Kleenex, not with his hands. Good job, Mulder. And he looks at it. And then he kneels down near Scully. He goes back over to Scully and he's like, is that a hand? And she's like, yeah. And then he sees the hand has a watch and he asks her what the watch says. And he says 801. And then so does the watch that he's holding. And then he asks what time they're listing the time of the crash as. And she says 7.52 p.m. Mulder says that's nine minutes difference. And Scully says it must be a mistake. And then he asks if she remembers the last time she was missing nine minutes. And then she gives him a look. <laughs> and she says know. they're going off estimates until they recover the data recorder. <laughs> right. So she's like, Mulder doesn't mean anything. We don't actually know the times yet. But yeah. Yeah. And also when they show Mulder's watch, because we, we don't see, well, we kind of, we do see Scully when she first sees him, but it's not as clear. And you're not really paying attention. But then when Mulder looks at the one, you know what's going on because they like focus on it. I would actually say it says 802. But yeah. <laughs> Anyway, 801, that's fine. So then Mulder says he suddenly thinks they're not going to find Max here. He believes he was on the plane, but maybe he didn't finish the flight with the other passengers. Ooh. Then someone calls out for a medic. They run over, and the, one of them is like, this man is alive. And it's Lerald, the guy who was sitting next to Max. So apparently getting loosey-goosey on the plane helps, because maybe you can just like, woo, when the plane crashes, and you don't get all up who knows anyway scully calls that they need an airlift to a burn unit and then the man wheezes and he looks fucked up yeah anyway, he does not yeah. look good but he's alive he is and alive he's the only survivor as far as we find out we don't hear about anybody else so yeah so then we're at fulton county airport and it's 7 12 p.m hopefully they've had a nap at some point because they've been awake all this time I anyway know. scully waits near a car on a runway as a small plane comes in for a landing and taxis up to her Sharon gets out of the plane and says she brought what Scully asked for. And then a man is unloading her suitcases. And Scully is like, are all those for Max? And Sharon says, every letter he ever wrote to me. Scully tells her they need to know everything about Max, where he's been, where he's traveled, and exactly what he was carrying on that flight. She asks if they found Max. And Scully tells her no, but they found a passenger with severe radiation burns, so they need to know what Max was carrying. Scully tells her if she's withholding information, there could be severe consequences. So, <laughs> I'm kind of glad Scully cop. didn't become a doctor because she does not have a good bedside manner at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, this woman just lost her brother, you know, but, you know, that's how Scully is. And I actually, I don't hate it. I just do think it's kind of funny that she's, like, warning her. She's like, you can't lie to me. We need everything. 
So then we see the hangar where they're storing all the parts of the plane and they're, you know, arranging them because they kind of arrange all the parts. Like they're kind of making, like they're rebuilding the plane, but not really. Yeah, they're putting them in order. Like they're putting all the seats where they belong and everything they find, you know, where it should have been in the plane to kind of reconstruct it as best as they can to kind of get a look at how things would have been. See if anything looks weird. Yeah, Scully comes in and calls for Mulder like she's going to tell him something. But before she can, Mulder tells Scully the survivor they found is Lerald Raboon and he was in seat 13D. So Mulder is guessing Max was in 13F, the window seat. But the manifest lists that passenger as, and Scully says, Paul Gidney. That was an alias that Max used in his letters. He had many aliases, apparently, including the one he used to get a job at the Rocky Flats Environment Energy Site in Colorado, where they handle and store uranium and weapon-grade plutonium. Yeah. So Mulder's like, you think Max was carrying plutonium? (laughs) <laughs> Scully doesn't know how else Lerald got the deep tissue radiation burns he has. And Mulder's like, well, why would he have it? And Scully doesn't know. He wrote hundreds of letters describing his abduction experience, but beginning in January, he started making vague references to a theft, and the idea that he'd come into something very dangerous. If he was carrying plutonium, and it came exposed in the cabin, it might have caused the crash. Mulder walks up to a plane door with a Geiger counter, which is indicating high levels of radiation. And he says he thinks Max was abducted right off the plane, swept out the door, and that's the cause of the radiation. (laughs) So not the plutonium, aliens. (laughs) And then when Max is returned, he'll tell them the exact same story. Scully tells him that she learned a few moments ago that Max's body was found a short way from the wreckage earlier today. Mulder looks surprised and asks if she's sure she is. And he had the same burns as his seatmate. Mulder is kind of flustered and says there's still no explanation for the crash. And then he walks away. So there's also no explanation for no one mentioned it the last time we saw Max. He was also later reported as being found dead some distance from the scene of the abduction at the end of Fallen Angel, season one, episode ten. So Yeah, but I think wasn't that supposed to be like Mulder didn't really believe it was Yeah, him. it was the colonel who said that he was found dead, so it's very possible that was a lie. But as far as like Mulder doesn't believe that to have been true, yeah. he doesn't have any proof that we are aware of that he's been in contact with Max. Yeah. So the fact that suddenly Max is around, no one seems to mention anything about it, which I find weird, especially since they just showed Fallen Angel. Yeah, it's it's one of those things again that happens on TV where you wish they would like bring that stuff up and they just don't for some reason. It's weird. Like they should have mentioned, you know, I know. He was reported dead, but I've been in contact with him over the years or something, you know, just a quick line, yeah. but they don't. So. Which is also weird because like we mentioned they showed this episode right before they showed, well, not right before, but, you know, the week before they showed Fallen Angel and they're showing this one. So viewers will have just seen Fallen Angel and then see this one and be like, wait, wasn't he dead? Mm-hmm. And then apparently the writers didn't watch <laughs> Fallen Angel and realized, that, oh, yeah, we said he was dead. So, yeah. Well, I think they know. I think you're not supposed to think he's really dead because I remember not feeling like that was true when the colonel said it. Right, but then still. But there is no discussion of it at all either. However, radiation burns were also a cause of death for anyone coming in contact with the alien in that episode. And that has actually remained one of the consistent features in X-Files of the whole radiation and aliens thing. So that's good because at least they're got some – that's one of the things we talked about before with consistency about the whole alien stuff. So – at least that is a uh-huh. consistent thing that hasn't changed too much because usually the mythology changes like every season. So that's nice. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're doing their best, but they got to evolve. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it, I did think it weird because like no one ever mentions the facts that, you know, they haven't heard from Max unless they heard he was found dead. Again, they never get proof that he was found dead. They're just told that. But... Yeah, it does seem weird. Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice if Mulder had said something like Scully would be like, wasn't he found dead? And Mulder had said something like, oh, no, he and I have been in contact over the past year. So we've written, exchanged a couple letters or something, you know, anything. But yeah, given our most recent experience with aliens and radiation, I almost thought we were going to find out that Max was a clone. Spoiler, that is not what happens. But I was thinking maybe that was going to be something going on. But it doesn't. So that would be cool. But yeah, sadly, that's not what happens. So then we're at the Paradise Motel in Northville, New York, and it's 1016 p.m. And Sharon is going through Max's letters. She has them all spread out. And suddenly the room starts shaking. And a bright light shines through the window. And it also surrounds the door frame. So it's very bright. 
and a massive wind pulls all the papers to the door and window, which are closed. So that's quite <gasps> a feat. And then there's a commercial. And then we get a commercial. I know, it's almost like the hotel room is in an airplane. That's exactly kind of the same Ooh. thing that happened in the airplane. Yeah. Back in the hangar, Mulder walks around the body bags. He finds the one for Paul Gidney, which is labeled partial, and he unzips it. The face of the person is Max. A little ways away, a family is crying over a body bag that is holding their loved one. Mulder finds his own card in Max's pocket. He zips the bag up, but then seems to realize something. He goes to another bag and unzips it, doesn't seem to find what he's looking for. So he opens another, and then he zips that back up too. Mm. Scully is talking to other members of the task force. She sees Mulder and walks over to him, asking if he got a positive ID on Max Fennig. Mulder nods. She tells him they located the cockpit voice recorder and the flight data recorder. She says the IIC is making a statement to the press that it was a complete systems malfunction that brought the plane down. Mulder says, in other words, they still have no explanation. Scully says they're still looking at the exit door, but they're not ready to attribute the radiation as the cause. Mulder is upset, and she asks why he can't just accept the facts. Because there are no facts, Scully, he says. He points out there's not one wristwatch on any of the bodies. They've all been removed. Scully asks if he's accusing these men of trying to destroy evidence. Mulder says not these men, they're just moving parts. But somebody has, which means there are nine minutes unaccounted for. They've got to get them back. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Did you know what Mulder was looking for when he was looking for stuff before he said he was looking the, the wristwatch thing? I didn't know, not until he yeah, me neither. said it. I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, I don't know if we're supposed to know because they do explain it. So we just know he's on to something and he's he's looking around trying to find something and he's not finding it. So it's just good to feel smart, like you know how Mulder. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. But unfortunately, yeah, I did not that I was, time. <laughs> I was kind of like, damn, what is he looking for? I was like, what is he looking for? Mm. I mean, especially because like he doesn't. We he only we only see Max's face, mm-hmm. so they didn't they didn't do the full on like show his like blank wrist or something that which would have been the clue if he knew the he would know mm-hmm. what he was looking for. So yeah, they kind of they kind of hit it. They were sneaky that way. So, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I didn't know. I was trying. I was really trying. <laughs> trying to figure out what it was he was looking for, but I couldn't think about it. And then when he said, like, none of these people are wearing watches, I was like, oh, damn it, it was a watch. I should have guessed that. I know. <laughs> I didn't guess it either. Yeah. So then we're at Von Drehill, I guess. I don't know. I don't know why we're naming Air Force bases after Germans. That sounds weird. Anyway, Air <laughs> Force Reserve Installation, 9.37 a.m. So next day, definitely no longer Scully's birthday. Okay. Uh, for sure. Right. Remember that. Mulder and Scully pull up and meet Sergeant Lewis Frisch, who got a call from his CO letting him know that they were coming to ask him some questions. They ask if he was in the tower that night, and he says he was, and they ask if Flight 549 showed up on the radar, and he says it did. He says he's not sure what they hope to discover. He already told the NTSB everything. And Mulder says they came to see you, and he's like, yes, the night of the crash. Hmm. Hmm. Mulder asks if they established contact with the plane, but Frisch says he'd have no reason to contact a commercial or civilian aircraft. Mulder asks if it would be on the log, and Frisch says yes. At 1952, Flight 549 dropped from an altitude of 29,000 feet, and then 45 seconds later, they got an altitude reading of triple X. So, pornography, yeah. I guess. Hmm. No, I think it cartoon. think it means out of the sky and not not good. Oh, I would just think. Well, I guess altitude readings you couldn't really just have it say zero zero because like if the ground is above sea level, it wouldn't say zero zero, right? So maybe trip. I don't know what triple X means. I just think of pornography and then alcohol in cartoons. Always the jug always has XXX on it, and the characters drink it and start hiccuping. Anyway, he said he never seen anything like it and hopes to never see that again. At that point, they attempted to contact, but got no response. So let the ATC in Albany know. And I'm assuming that would be air traffic control, ATC. Mm -hmm. Frisk asks if there's something else he's looking for. And Mulder says, about nine minutes. And then heads back to the car. (laughs) 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 Mulder's so enigmatic to people. People are just like, what the fuck is with that guy? No wonder everyone's like spooky Mulder. 
<laughs> Scully apologetically tells Frish that they've been traveling a long way. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm sorry for my partner. Oh my god. <laughs> so good. Back at the car, Mulder says, wasn't the initial report that there was no radar confirmation of the crash? And Scully is like, oh, it must have come in after the briefing. And they drive away. So, <laughs> oh, Scully, you're so gullible. <laughs> anyway, then another airman, Gonzalez, comes out of the tower and asks Frisch what he told them. And he says, what I was supposed to say. And Gonzalez says that someone is going to figure out what's going on. And Frisch is like, I don't even want to know. Gonzalez says if they come back to talk to him, he's going to tell them the truth. And then Frisch grabs him and says, then you'll make me the liar. And then he gets in his vehicle and he drives away. So, hmm. so apparently they know something's going on. Something's going on, yeah. But hmm. apparently not everything because Frisch is like, I don't want to know what's going on. Yeah. So they kind of know what's going on, but then kind of don't know what's going on. Hmm. Hmm. So then we're in Northville, New York, and it's 2.32 p.m. And Mulder and Scully arrive at the motel Sharon was staying at, and the motel manager is talking to the cops. When the manager sees Mulder and Scully, she tells them that they'll have to pay for the room they rented for the woman. She trashed it and split. And papers are strewn all over the pavement outside, and inside is a disaster area, and the door was blown right out of the jam, so it's not even on there anymore. The manager says she doubts insurance will cover it, and Mulder asks if her policy covers acts of extraterrestrials. <laughs> it's a little Mulder. I love it. I love it. And Scully tells her that they'll take care of it. I mean, chariots of the gods, right? So are extraterrestrials gods? Because if so, then acts of God usually aren't covered. So mm-hmm. After she leaves, Mulder tells Scully to hit him with her best shot at a theory. She has no clue. Mulder thinks Sharon was abducted just like Max. Maybe it runs in the family. Matt Miller appears in the doorway and he asks what happened. Mulder suggests he bring his team down to check it out. We learn that Miller actually came to tell them they found some evidence, but he's not ready to make an announcement. He's afraid he's going to sound as crazy as Mulder. He asks if there's somewhere they can talk with a door. <gasps> and Mulder was being a smart ass when he told him he should have their team come and check it out. Yes. So, yeah, he was. Yeah. He's, he's really snarky this episode i mean i know yeah. his friend just died so he's in a place and he's having all these alien theories but man he is snarking up a storm yeah so in another room miller shows them like some kind of like x-ray film or something that shows fatigue cracks on the fuselage most planes have them from wear and tear but 549 was a new plane <gasps> Mulder asks what caused it then Miller says he can't say, but he can say it. The way the cracks radiate from a central point makes it look like the door was shaken and blown outward. Just like the hotel room. Straight out of the frame. In a normal operation, that could never happen. But somehow, it did. <gasps> Weird. And then we're back at Von Drehill Air Force Reserve Installation. Again, we shouldn't be naming stuff after German people. But anyway. well, you, might, you might be an American. You don't know. I mean, I guess he could be. Maybe he was a Nazi we brought over from Project Paperclip. Oh, God, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. History is awful. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I shouldn't say we shouldn't be naming things after German people because, again, yes. I mean, we are a nation of immigrants. So, but Mm -hmm. still, just a little weird. Anyway, so we see Frisch come into the, like, I guess, like, terminal or whatever it is where they work. And he starts to apologize to Gonzalez for what happened before because Gonzalez is sitting in a chair like at the control room place thing with radar and <laughs> switches and lights and stuff. Whatever the control tower. <laughs> I don't know. Fuck. Anyway, I'm a mess. <laughs> anyway, he sees a gun in his lap and he's like, because he's like, Gonzalez isn't replying. And he's like, you know, what's going on? And then he turns the chair around and Gonzalez is dead. He has a bullet hole right in the middle of his forehead. Which is not usually how people commit suicide and then lay the gun in their lap if they shoot themselves in the head. Suspicious. Frisch sees three cars coming down the road and he runs because he also realizes like that's not how people shoot themselves in the head. Mm -hmm. So we see Garrett and some other men come into the tower and they're searching for him. But he is hidden outside. Maybe like I think they're like he crawled out like on the roof or something. I don't know. But anyway. When they all leave, we see him all huddled and he's all, because he knows yeah. what's going to happen. They're going to do the same thing to him. So, yep. 
They didn't find him, though. That's good. They don't find him. They leave, so. Yeah. Poor Gonzalez. I know. Oh, these poor people who get also, caught up in these Also, we find out later that they're attributing Gonzalez to suicide, which, dude, try harder if you're trying to make it look like suicide, because that does not look like suicide. It looks like someone shot you in the head and then put the gun in your lap. Yeah, I think so. the point, or well, maybe it's not the point, but the point that I take away is just, like, these people don't have to try that hard because they can just say whatever they want. Oh. Yeah, it's I thought official. they were actually going to do it, so they were going to blame Frisch for killing Gonzalez. Oh, that would make sense. But then later they do say that. Gonzalez well, maybe they were going to, but then because they couldn't get him, I don't know. I don't. They couldn't find him. That would be a good way to explain it, right? Because then, like he ran. Yeah, yeah, so, it's true. It's true. But I don't know. Yeah. Like, look, he's not even good at trying to do fake suicide. He put the gun right in his lap. We all know that is not how that works. So, yeah, they could have, like, thrown shade at him, too, at the same time. Anyway. He's a murderer, and he sucks at covering it up, so. Yeah, but I like, yours is a ballsy thought, because, like, yeah, we don't even have to try. Yeah, we can just write it on the official report, and there it is. Yeah. Can write ho 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 in his chest in blood, <laughs> and then they'll still think he killed himself and wrote ho ho ho. He wrote oh 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 because he was writing it himself, and so I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I'm off the rails. I'm sure you up. are off the rails. So no. Anyway, it's 7:04 p.m. and Mulder is listening to the recording of Flight 549's last call to the tower. He picks up the phone and he calls Scully. He tells her he realized he recognized the voice of the air traffic controller. Scully tells him that they've been up for 36 hours, so, you know, oh. sleep, sleep, but he asked her to so come over. So they hadn't slept, okay. Yeah. He asked her to come over and listen to the tape. So then we see Scully, and she leaves her motel room, and she's heading over to Mulder's room, and someone grabs her and puts their hand over her mouth, and is like, don't scream. He says he's the one responsible for the plane crash. He lets her go, and she sees that it's fresh. <gasps> I think it's commercial. So I shouldn't actually cover my mouth when I'm talking. <laughs> so I totally just put my hand over my mouth. I do the same like, thing. <laughs> like when we're talking about like people putting their head in their hands, and I do, and then yeah, I listen to the like, audio, and I'm like, oh, that sounds like shit. Good job. Like, I shouldn't put my hand over my, my mouth. I'm trying to explain. But I don't need to act this out. I am not Dana Scully. I'm like, and then he turns his it. head, and I look away from the mic and talk. And I'm like, it's like, good job. It's great. We're so good at this. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question. I don't remember exactly when when Mulder calls her. Does it wake her up or is she awake? I think she's awake. I think she's probably getting ready to go to bed and get some sleep. Because I'm like Mulder's been sitting there listening to the recording over and over, and she's talking about like Mulder. We haven't slept in 36 hours. You know, why the fuck isn't she asleep already? She's probably doing the same thing. She's probably going over the files. Like these kinds of jobs get in your head. It makes it really hard to sleep. Yeah, but she's telling Mulder to stop and go to sleep. And then well, she knows how know. he is. Listen, look at how he's been <laughs> the last two days. She doesn't want that to get worse. Last few days. That's how he's been the whole time she's known him. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, I love Fox Mulder, but my goodness, boy. My goodness. Then we come back and it's 8.21 p.m. So it's been like an hour and 17 minutes. Got to do the math in my head there. Back at the hangar, Scully introduces Lewis Frisch to Miller and says his voice is the one on the recording. And Miller argues that it was the Albany Air Traffic Control Tower and it was a voice of a civilian. And Mulder says what he's been asked to believe is built on a lie perpetrated by Sergeant Frisch along with Sergeant Gonzalez, who's now dead. Frisch says he was ordered to lie by a CO about what happened. Flight 549 appeared on his radar screen at 1900, and they were asked to give its coordinates at 15-second intervals. About two minutes past 30 degrees north, they say another aircraft entered 549's airspace in an intercept pattern. It shadowed the flight for another 10 minutes, and then they were asked to give another set of coordinates. A few seconds later, there was an explosion, and 549 disappeared from the radar screen. Miller says that's not possible. There's not one speck of forensic evidence that points to an explosion. Frisch says he's telling them what he saw. They shot down a civilian jet, knowingly and willingly. Oh, that's Mm. not good. Miller says he has a responsibility to the truth. Mulder says so do they. 
Miller says, Frisch can't testify without evidence, and the story makes no sense. Mulder says, unless there was a third aircraft that didn't appear on the radar. And that's what the second plane fired on, which inadvertently caused the crash of Flight 549, which means the cause of the crash is out there at a second crash site. Scully says that someone would have to have spotted it, and Mulder says, no, they didn't know to look for it, and no one even knew about the second aircraft except the military, which means Frisk's life is in danger because he can put the pieces together. Ooh. Yeah, this is getting complicated. It is getting complicated. Yeah, Miller says if there's a second crash site, they need to find it. And he gets in his car, and Scully and Mulder and Frisch pile into their car, and they all drive away to go find it. <laughs> As they do, they see the headlights of two vehicles coming towards them down the runway. So just the car with Scully, Mulder, and Frisch. Apparently Miller left and no one cared. Mulder turns the car around and drives the other way. The cars pursue them, and they head down the runway, and there's a plane coming in for a landing, or like in front of them. <laughs> and so we got two cars chasing Mulder and Scully, and they're driving a shitty-ass Taurus, and the other cars have, like, big old block engine cars, and so they're going to get caught. But Frisch tells them they need to get under the plane or it'll hit them. And it looks like the wheels are going to hit the car, but they just managed to get beneath it in time, and the other cars have to, like, spin out and swerve so they don't get hit by the plane and they get away yeah, yeah. they need to stop renting shitty ass Ford Tauruses honestly I guess yeah Ford is Taurus Mercury is Tempo sorry I, we owned a Mercury Tempo we also owned a Ford Taurus at one point in the 90s uh, my wife and I so yeah I know those cars they're not great anyway yeah also I mean that's the thing with rental car companies though you kind of just have to take what they give you like they give you like here's your two options and you just pick one and it's I mean you could be like federal agent I need a car with some fucking power I mean usually these days it's like a Nissan Sentra or something and that's mm. it that's all they've got mm. <laughs> hmm. you think the FBI would have like special cars like stashed all over the country that had like yeah, I guess they don't really need them most of the time. I guess they don't do pursuit a lot. No, and most of the time you aren't running from other federal agencies that are trying to kill people for a military cover-up. So it's, it's not, not a Not according to occurrence. television. <laughs> television happens all the fucking time. In the anyway. X-Files, it happens all the time. Anyway, then we're at the Flight 549 crash site, and it's 10.14 p.m. Miller pulls up to the crash site and gets out of his car. And over the site is a UFO. It's beaming <gasps> down a light, and it seems to be scanning the site with its, like, tractor beam thing. It's spotlight. Mm. Miller approaches in awe, walking over the mud. Then the light goes out. Miller spins around. Suddenly, the light beams down on him, and the ship is directly overhead. Whoa! But then the ship flies away, and he hears someone call for help. It's Sharon! So Miller heads towards her and she yells, don't let them take me again. And she falls into his arms crying. Damn. Yeah. And then it's commercial. Dude saw so a UFO. I guess Mulder was right. She was abducted. I mean, technically he didn't even see UFO. He saw like an alien craft. I mean. No. It, yeah. He be... didn't. It was not yeah. unidentifiable. That thing was a flying saucer. I mean, he doesn't know make and model, but you know. No, still, but he I mean, definitely saw. Assume. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So then we're back at Fulton County Airport, and it's 11.17 p.m. And Scully and Frisk are in a small plane. And Mulder runs up as the plane's getting ready to take off, and he says he wants to ask Frisk something. And he shows him the 549 crash site on a map and asks, what if there is no second crash site? What if the other craft came down here? And he points to Great Sacaganda Lake, which I'm not sure if that's how you say it, but that's how Scully says it, so I'm going to say it. That's not how it's spelled, but okay. And Frisch says that with a shallow descent, that's very possible. So Mulder asks if Scully is okay to take Frisch back to D.C. by herself, and she tells him just to let her know what's going on. And then he backs away, and the plane takes off. That way. Yeah. And then Mulder drives to the area he showed Frisch on the map, passing a sign that reads bear filled hunting and fishing tours and there's a man standing next to a truck and Mulder asks if he's Bearfield and he says he is and Mulder tells him he's with the FBI so Bearfield asks if he has anything to do with whatever is going on out there the search and rescue operation or whatever it is and Mulder asks where and Bearfield tries to give him directions but Mulder says he needs to take him there 
yeah, the dude like, seems no, no. kind of freaked out, honestly. Because he's like, yeah. yeah. Well, he's probably freaked out by what's going on, you know? And, like, he usually makes his livelihood on this lake, and now the government's doing weird shit over there. I don't know. Yeah. Although, if I was Mulder, I would not trust this guy, because he could be an agent planted there. Ooh. In case yeah. people show up, right? It's mm. true. They didn't do that. They weren't smart. Anyway, great Sakaganda, or however you say it, because it doesn't... If you look at how it's spelled, it's not Sakaganda. It's like Sakandaga. But anyway... I don't know how you say it. That's how Scully said it. It has an area of approximately 1,600 acres and a maximum depth of 60 feet. The average depth is 28 feet. It probably does not have a lake monster, but it might have a UFO. <laughs> so. It's a little too small for a lake monster. Yep. It could be a tiny little lake monster. They don't have to be big. That's true. Also, not mo- they always call them monsters. We talked about that before. They always call them on- they're animals. they got to be animals. I mean, they can't be monsters. Mm, so they would have true. to be animals. So, yeah. Hmm. We don't call dinosaurs monsters. We call them dinosaurs. I mean, some people probably did call them monsters. Yes. Point. Yeah, but, I think so. Yeah. So Scully takes first to her apartment to get a few things. Then she'll try to work out an arrangement for his protection. Frisch asks if she thinks he'll be prosecuted. She tells him that he didn't bring the plane down. But Frisch says he lied and helped cover it up. He watched the plane fall out of the sky and he can't get it out of his mind. All those people who died how easy it is to lie. And then he asks if he can call his girlfriend. Scully hesitantly agrees, telling him just to say that he's okay. Like, don't say a lot. Mistake! Yeah, don't do that. Because they are probably tracking his girlfriend's phone or something. So Yeah, probably. Yeah. Tom O'Brien plays Frisk, and he looks hella familiar, but after looking at his IMDb, He's been in stuff I've seen, but nothing that would have stood out. So either mm-hmm. it's one of those like subconscious awareness things where he's been in stuff. So I've seen him before. So I recognize him or he just has one of those faces. I couldn't tell you. But yeah, I didn't see anything where it's like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. So it's all pretty much like, you know, one episode of this, one episode of that. So, mm-hmm. But definitely things I would have watched. And you guys know that I'm not a watcher. I don't haven't watched. Basically, I haven't watched anything since the '90s. Is pretty much what the story is. So he was in stuff <laughs> in the '90s, and so I've seen some of that stuff. So yeah. So then we're at Great Sacaganda or Sacandaga or wherever you say it. That lake, it's real, but I don't know how to say it. And it's one o two a.m. So another day. Bum, bum, bum. Mulder <laughs> and Bearfield are on a speedboat on the lake, and they stop near a spot where bubbles are surfacing. Mulder is wearing a scuba gear and ask how deep it is there. Bearfield says it's 50 to 60 feet, which is accurate, because I already looked that up. And asks Mulder's diving experience. He's a little disturbed when he learns that Mulder has none, because Mulder says he once picked up a quarter at the deep end at the YMCA, and then he <laughs> yeah. goes into the water. <laughs> so, yeah, no diving experience to speak of. It's fine. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> Meanwhile, Scully takes Frisch to a pub where a federal marshal is going to meet them. She goes up to the bar to get Frisch a drink, but is grabbed by Agent Pendrel, who wishes her a happy birthday. Aha! Okay, but if you haven't seen someone yes, since... Yes, but he also asks where she's been. Yes, so he hasn't seen her since her birthday, so it's been a couple days. I feel like that's fair. You could say happy birthday. But he didn't see her on her birthday either, because that's why he's wishing her a happy birthday. Because he's like, yeah. I got you something, which we never find out what. Mm, spoiler. But... Yeah, I don't know. This is weird. So yeah, I don't. I mean, if I didn't see you, and then you know, if we talked like three days after, I'd be like, "Happy birthday!" I think that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but I also didn't realize that a full day we do we have, we have actually we've at least one complete day, if not two or three. I think it's passed, like two or on. three. Yeah, yeah. I still so think that's fine. Weird. But yeah. I, yeah, I can see why it seems weird. I think it's probably fine though. Like you say, "Happy birthday." Okay. Anyway, it seemed like 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 he was wait like. You know, like he showed up late to the party and then she was gone. Oh, and then I he's see. Been there the so whole time, he, it feels like kind of thing. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting, which yeah, is why, because he's a little drunk. I don't so. think that's the case. I think this is just a bar that the FBI agents tend to frequent. So I don't. Oh, okay. I don't think he's been hanging out waiting for Scully for three days. Okay. All right. <laughs> Although, if he was dedication, you know what? Kudos. Yeah. He's been he's been walking around with whatever he got her for all that time. So yeah. yeah. So he asks if he can buy her a drink, and she says she's with someone. He looks over and sees Frisch and then offers to buy him a drink, too, which I thought was sweet. Although he's also like, that guy? I know. 
I know he's he's clearly not happy, but he does like you know he's trying to get in there. He's like, hey, I'll just buy you both a drink, and yeah, he's a little drunk too. Mm-hmm. Well, he orders. Scully goes back to the table, but then Garrett walks in. Scully watches him suspiciously and then sees him clock them. She yells, "Get down!" as Garrett raises a gun. She pulls out her gun too. Frisch ducks, and Garrett shoots. Hitting Pendrel, who just happened to walk into the way. Mm-hmm. Carrying the drinks to the table. Yep. Boom! Mm-hmm. Pendrel goes down. Yep. Scully shoots Garrett, and then once she's sure he's down, and he's not going to like get back up and start shooting, she drops to Pendrel's side, and she tells him to keep breathing. And I'm like, no! Pendrel! Yep. Yep. He I mean, just... Well, wrong place, wrong time. Because he, like... It's not even like he, like jumps in front of it to protect them or something he's just like walking with the drinks and then uh-huh. like she's all get down and he turns around and the dude boom and he boom and pendra goes down mm-hmm. yeah even have the crying face emoji in my notes <laughs> mm-hmm. like, they could have okay so this isn't gonna end well people let's just get it over with they could have like at least given him like maybe he did like do it on purpose kind of thing instead of just being like poor drunk pendrel was in the wrong place at the wrong time I know so, it's. Uh, I know we lose yeah. two people in this episode, I and mean, we don't lose him yet. We'll lose him in the next one. Sorry, spoiler, but yeah, uh, it's not great for people. Yeah, who my summary characters. was going to be two fan favorite characters return, and it doesn't go well for either of them. But I decided not to spoil that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Boy, sorry, we're close enough that it's. Gonna... Yeah, I mean, you can kind of guess that it's not going to end well. No, he knows Scully. He got shot. He's going to die. That's just how yeah. it works. You don't know Scully and get shot and not die unless you're Mulder. And that's usually because Scully is the one who shot you. <laughs> so, Well, you're not wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this fucking show. Anyway, <laughs> underwater, we see Mulder diving. He's doing OK for someone who's never done it. I don't know. Uh, I mean, at- all you got to do is breathe, really. I mean, yeah. At the bottom of the lake, he finds the wreckage of an alien craft. And there's a dead alien pilot in the craft that he can see. Mm -hmm. But then suddenly a bright light appears above from the surface. And then we get to be continued. (gasps) No! So, yeah, Mulder is kind of scared, too, when he sees the alien. He's like, whoa! So... Also, apparently, alien spacecraft made out of glowing green stuff and bubble wrap is what it looks like. Um, or just <laughs> some kind of, like, hexadecimal, like, acrylic stuff. I'm not sure. But, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. To be continued. Hmm. So, we already talked about the fact that, like, as far as we knew, Max was dead. And as far as Mulder and Scully probably knew, Max was dead, even though even they didn't believe it. And they never mentioned that. Whatever. Okay. We've also never gone back and addressed the fact that Mulder got black oiled like eight episodes ago in the last two-parter. I know. I know. That has not come up again. I think it will, maybe. But honestly, I don't remember. Hmm. Okay. So, I don't know. Yeah, I've been thinking about that for a while, and this seemed like a good place to bring it up. Because I was like, wait, because you, like, last we see is, like, he's getting black oiled, and then this was in the two-parter. The second one was Tunguska, I believe, right? Wasn't it? Uh-huh. was the second one? Yeah. No, so. Tunguska, it was Tunguska and Terma. So okay, so Terma was the second one. Yeah. But, like, we see him get black oiled, and then the next time we see him, he, like, shows up at the last minute at the congressional hearing with, like, documents showing, you know, that it's all bullshit and whatever and then they have to adjourn blah 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 there's no order in this court whatever they do anyway and then we find out that poor Krychek got his arm chopped off so <laughs> yeah, but it still makes we no never address the fact that Mulder got black oiled and it's never we come never up did. since no yeah yep some loose ends there x-files some loose ends yeah maybe the aliens are playing along also this just reminded me because the first time I think the first time we see the black oil, remember, is because it's at the bottom of the plane. Yeah, where that French diver is down there. And yeah. yeah, I guess it. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of reminded me of that too, since Mulder's down sure. there. With that makes aliens. sense. Yeah. It's like, hey, we never talked about that. So literally, we never talked about that, and they never brought it back up. Yeah. So. No. Nope. Yeah, two parter. I think there are things we both want to say, but in 
accurate two-parter fashion, it's going to have to wait till next time. Yeah, because, I mean, this is, we were talking about this before we recorded, but it is one of the two-parters that literally is just, like, one story split in half. Like, it is, it's -hmm. not, like, one thing, and then there's something that's related that happens later. This is literally just one continuous story. In fairness, Tori says that every time there's a two-parter. Well, to me, they feel like one continuous story. But this one does feel like it is a... This one literally feels like they chopped it in half and said, okay. Yeah. So we're going to do the same thing. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. That's right. We made this. The I Want to Rewatch catalog is chock full of X-Files and X-Files adjacent episodes that you should definitely check out. Because air travel is boring and you're going to need something to listen to on the plane. Before it crashes. But whatever you do... Let's hope it doesn't crash. But whatever you do, tell a friend. We'd be happy to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time. And together, we'll try to figure out if the the truth truth is still out there. right we made this oh we don't do that anymore uh... oh yeah we're gonna have to um uh well why don't we um just go back to what we do in the shadows no what we do with um the other one and just cut and paste that okay what we do in the shadows <laughs> uh, that's a good vampire show i like that show